Greetings, everybody. Good to see you. And I love the fact that we're yakking away and talking because today we're talking about something called, oh, I've got to get this right. Dre was telling me about this series we're doing on obedience. And he said, oh, there's this one, there's this one, and there's one on obedience and love. And I said, you know, that, if you're honest, is the hardest one of all. Because loving like God loves is totally beyond me. Oh, good, he said. You can do that one. <laughs> and so it is. Here it is. Obedience and love. And uh, I just feel that I want to tell you something about love that's not God's love to start with. Because I was thinking about my family. You see, there's a family, my family, and I love my family. And uh, three years ago, I discovered just how much I love my family when my, one of my sons died. And do you know something now? Whenever we greet each other and whenever we say goodbye, we always say, I love you. We learnt what it was to really value one another. You know the story, don't you, Lyndon? It's real. And I love my family. And I've got a, a whole lot of friends. I've got some friends that I go tramping with. They're my friends. They're my friends. <laughs> and I love them. And I've got a wife at it, you know. And I love her. But when Jesus talks about love, he talks about loving people that don't belong to us. And that's real hard. And that's what I want to talk about. Loving other people. Well, Dre was very helpful. He sent me this, or pretty much like this. Love is the root, obedience is the fruit. And if you look there, it's got Matthew Henry underneath it. And if anybody knows who he was, he was a man who wrote the, uh, probably one of the first Bible commentaries in the, uh, in the Protestant era. So Matthew Henry said, love is the root, obedience is the fruit. And, and, and we've got to understand that love is not just about a feeling. You know, I have good feelings about a lot of people, but there are some people I don't have good feelings about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and... I'm commanded to love those people. And so we're going to think about this because there's a biblical standard. And, and a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And then it goes on. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. People will know Christians are Christians not because they are good prissy people who don't do anything wrong but because they love one another. And it's one of the things that we do in our church, one of the, 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 one of the most powerful things, it's actually, believe it or not, it's probably even stronger than the five pillars, right? That characterize our church, and that is that we aim to love one another. That's why Lyndon is saying, Come on, fellas, let's go down fishing. 
That's why we have a family camp. That's why the ladies all went to this meeting where they had a night out. That's why we have Father's Day. That's why we do all these things and they're happening in our church. The reason is because we want people to know that we love them and we want to love one another. We want to help people love one another. We want to make it our culture because it's so important. You know, Jesus said a few other things too. This is what love is. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. And I was thinking about this whole thing and I was, I was really wrestling with it. And I'm thinking, how? How do we love one another as Jesus loved us? And um, that was the question. How did Jesus love other people? How did Jesus do it? Because the command, and it is a command, the command says this, you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, how did he love people? And it's not just one of those things that's, oh yes, we talk about the cross. Yes, we'll talk about the cross in a moment. It's talking about other things. And uh, this is the first one that I suddenly thought about. He provided wine for the wedding. Jesus is no killjoy, right? Do you know how much wine he produced? 800 liters. It was a big wedding. It made this gathering look small because Jesus was there and John was there and John came from an aristocratic family in, in um, Israel. And so there could have been up to a thousand people at that wedding. In, in fact, probably everybody who was anybody was at that wedding. And when the party went, no wine, Jesus provided the wine. He worked a miracle. His mother said to the people, just do whatever he says. He'll tell you what to do. And love provided wine and fun and fellowship. The very things that we try to do in our church. Love is not just about helping us when things go wrong. Love is about enjoying life when it goes right. Love is about valuing people and making people secure. I've got a picture from our church. I was at family camp and I saw this kid and I know this kid that's being looked after by Fred and Maxine and their family. And he's very shy. And he was down on the floor drawing something. And there was Fred beside him. And I thought, that's love. And then I saw them again together, and he was seated right beside Fred, and he was tucked in when they were having lunch. And I thought, that kid looks totally secure. That's love. That's love. This is what obedience and love is about. It's not, it's not something 
unusual. It's the, in the usual. Then there's the woman at the well. Do you know, God loves the broken. This woman was so broken that she couldn't even go and get her water from the well when everyone else was there. She was so broken that she had to play games when Jesus asked her for a drink. This woman was so broken that when Jesus said to her, I'm going to tell you the truth, you've actually had five husbands and the one you've got now isn't yours, that she knew that that was said in love because love told her the truth without shaming her. You see, love is the way by which we can change the world without making the world feel bad. And so that's what Jesus did. And you see, that's the new commandment. A new commandment I give to you. You love one another like I have loved you. So when you come across somebody whose life is broken, you don't sail into them and say, listen, mate, you've only got yourself to blame. <laughs> no, love doesn't do that. Love shows people that they really matter. The next one is dinner with Zacchaeus. Jesus had a, a reputation of going out with people who were not morally the best. Who, you know, and today it would be, you know, I, I've got friends who are not Christians. Of course I have. I hope you have too. And, and Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector, so he was hated. And he had small man problem. So he climbed a tree to find Jesus. And I've been to Jericho and there's a huge... Uh, sycamore tree in, 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 right at, the, at this uh, where you come into, into uh, I've, mine's gone <coughs> right when you come into the town there's this huge sycamore tree and he was, it's two and a half thousand years old so it could well have been the tree and here he was up the tree and Jesus said oh Zacchaeus um, come and have dinner with me I'd like to come and have dinner with you when we befriend people who are alone, Jesus did that. When we do it, we are following Jesus' example. God has made some of the worst people into the best people in history. Whenever we sing Amazing Grace, we remember a man who was a slave trader that God turned around. Love loves the despised. There's a place called Nain. In fact, nobody really knows where it was, but it existed in Jesus' time. And there was a widow there, and Jesus saw this, as he was walking past, he saw this funeral procession, and her only son was, had died. Now, I want to tell you something. We live in a welfare state, but they didn't. So when her son had died... It was a sign that she could well die of starvation herself. In an insignificant town, an insignificant place, Jesus loved the insignificant. He raised him from the dead. You'll read about that in Luke chapter 7. So we, Jesus calls us to love the insignificant. 
He calls us to love the people who don't mean much in this world because he did it. Love one another as I have loved you. For a Christian, I don't need to say a word. You know something. I do not deserve the love of God. That God would take the burden of my sin and all the messes that I've made and it would take a few days up front here to tell you them all and still accept me and change me and heal me is amazing. It's so amazing that often when I think about it I get those onion eyes I think of Jesus praying and saying to the disciples, could you not pray? I think of him on the cross, in particular for me, when he said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. It's the very text that made me become a Christian. Andre, same text. I remember him saying to John, John, this is your mother pointing to Mary, his mother. Mother, this is your son. In the middle of his suffering, I remember him saying to the men who nailed him to the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That you love one another as I have loved you, and I can't do that. I, I cannot do it. I'm unable to do it. I want to do it, but I'm unable to do it. This is so powerful. I've been a Christian for 60-something years. It still reduces me to tears. I realize how great this task is. I realize that if, if I was half a Christian, that there'd be something. The, the love, if I could share that love like that, we could change the world. You worry about all the problems with abortions. You worry about all the problems with crime. You worry about all the problems that are going on in society. And know that if we really could copy him, the world would be changed. Now you know why it's the hardest sermon. Because I have to come in front of you and acknowledge that I am unable in my own strength to love like that. How do we love God back? And this is an incredibly important thing because we've got to face that because when I am confronted with the greatness of that love, how on earth can I love God back? And Jesus anointed, was anointed by a sinful woman. He went to visit a man called Simon the Pharisee. And Simon the Pharisee <coughs> was one of these upright people. And when Jesus went to visit him, the, the Jewish custom of giving you a, a bowl of water to wash your feet and giving you a, a you know, a, you know the, the Jewish kiss, the, the formal kiss, he, you know, and all those things. And Simon didn't do any of that. But this woman who had led a sinful life came in and knelt at Jesus' feet. And with her tears and her hair, she washed Jesus' feet. And she broke an ointment, a, 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 a perfume over him. 
And Simon was saying, does he know who this woman is? Does he know how bad she is? And Jesus said, Simon, I've got something to say to you. Um, when I came in, you gave me no kiss, but she has kissed my feet. You did not give me water to wash my feet with, but she has washed them with her tears and her hair. And then he said, Simon, I want to, I want to say to you, ask you a question. If you've been forgiven much, will you love much? If you've been forgiven a little, if you don't know that you've been forgiven, will you love? And that's the question we've all got to ask. If we're really going to do something in loving and showing other people love, do I understand how great my forgiveness has been? Now, I was on Facebook and I saw this thing, love is a verb, not a feeling. And uh, where's Mike? He's there somewhere. And Mike of Mike and Ruth, right? They put it on their Facebook about a month ago. Love is a verb, not a feeling. That's the way it is. I might feel that I'm in love, but love is actually what I do. It's not what I feel. So I might love somebody that I don't particularly feel good about. And God will honor it. Right? God will honor it. And that is the way we've got to work. So, here again, dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. If there is anything that characterizes the Christian church, it is love. It is not that we don't do stuff wrong. Christians make mistakes. Christians do stuff that they shouldn't do. But Christians love. That was the command, the one command that Jesus gave us. That is as individuals. There's another one that he gave us and that is to spread the word. And so... Christians should be recognizable by the fact that they love. That's why all people will know that you're my disciples. But how do we love? And that's a question that we all like to ask. It's, you know, it's, it's the kind of question we ask sometimes. I would ask if I wanted to get out of something, right? <laughs> but it's also the question we should ask if we want to do something. In Singapore... When Bishop Chubanet, he was also, the, he was a very, very uh, influential medical guy in Singapore. And he suggested that the church had to be grown by the people and not by the leaders. And they said, yes, but how? And so he actually went and produced a whole lot of material. And the church rose over the period of the 90s from something like 3% to 12% of the population of Singapore and continued to grow after that because the people had said, yes, but how do we do it? And he showed them. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous or conceited. Let's pull this apart. Oh, <laughs> there it is again. Love is the root. Obedience is the fruit. 
And so we've got to understand that what we do comes out of what we are. Love is patient and kind. One of the things that I have learned as a pastor is this, that when you're patient and you're kind, that people warm to you and listen to you. When you are abrupt and hard, they don't. Love is not jealous. Love doesn't, love really likes it when other people do well. You know something? Love is encouraging. So one of the things that we can do to love people is to encourage them. When we see they're doing something, we encourage them. <laughs> love isn't conceited. Love doesn't think it's better than anybody else. Love actually looks for the good in other people. Love's not ill-mannered. When somebody can get rude to you, oh, do you ever have that feeling of biting back? Love doesn't do that. Love's not selfish. That really gets to me because quite often I have to work so hard at not thinking about myself. And love isn't irritable. Do you know something? When you begin to live like this in your daily life, what comes out is the love that God has for you. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Do you know we spent two, uh, several hours uh, learning about prison ministry? A and one of the things that was hammered home again and again and again and again is we are there to help them as people not to worry about what they've done. <laughs> right? A and uh, that prison ministry is a place where we can actually change things. Do you know recidivism is very high in this country and they didn't give us the figures, but I know it's 60 to 70% the prisoners will go in for a second lag at least. And I want to tell you something. There's something that stops that happening. It's when they discover Jesus. And they discover Jesus often when the 2,000 Christian volunteers in New Zealand go in and show them love. Is happy with the truth. One of the wonderful things that happened with, uh, with Nicodemus when he was talking with Jesus was that he was open to the truth that Jesus spoke. Being honest and being true is something that stands us out in society. People who keep their promises. Never gives up, lasts forever. I've got a story. When I went to Motueka as the, as the vicar, there was a lady there who had, had probably psychiatric problems and she would give everyone a hard time. And I'd been there only a few months. And she wanted my time, and I was going to go out actually to the beach with a friend of mine called Peter Coglin, who is the city missioner here in Christchurch. And uh, she lay down behind the car <laughs> and hit the ground and wouldn't let me go. <laughs> um, 
my emotions were mixed. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and I very carefully and hopefully lovingly gave her the opportunity to come back later. And she did. For the whole 16 years I was in Motueka, she was a bother to the whole church. Uh, and believe me, it wasn't, it was not a spiritual thing, it was a, a, another thing. But later, God really showed her her responsibility. And I received from her a letter of thanks that we as a church had been patient with her and had never given up. And God had eventually transformed her. There are people who take a long time to change. We're still to love them, to copy Jesus. This is not an easy road, but it's the only road if you're really honest with yourself. But the fruit of the Spirit, and can the music group come up, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm quoting it, I'm not reading it. Against which there is no law. And the takeaway that I have is this. Obedience is a decision. You have to say, I choose to love other people. You may not want to love them, but you've got to choose to love them. And I can't sugarcoat this. It's unsugarcoatable. You've got to say, I don't want to love them, but I will love them. I want you to do that for your work colleagues who get under your skin. I want you to do that for the people, the traffic officer who, or the, the policeman who, who pulled you over for doing five kilometres an hour faster than you should have been. I want you to do that. But love is the fruit of God's presence. And that is the key. When I first accepted Jesus into my life, I noticed a change in my attitude. That change was the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. You want to love, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to ask God for the power to do it. Just as when we first asked Jesus to forgive us, we are changed. The same process takes place with loving others. We ask him to forgive those things that need forgiving in us. We ask him to fill us with his presence so that we can be like him. And then we decide that we will do it. Now, I'm not going to call anybody up today. But I'd like us all to pray because I want to pray that prayer for me. And you can join with me 
as I pray it. So let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you showed me what love is. You have forgiven all the bad things that I have ever done. And you remember them no more. I don't understand that. But I know it's true. So I ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I will love like Jesus loved. That I will actually be a person who brings change for good in everything that I do. And now I commit myself, my life, to copy Jesus. Amen.